It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Hey there, I hope you're having an awesome week. I have recorded this intro. I'm not joking. This is my third time now because I keep messing it up. I'm so tired after FinCon. That conference is incredible. I love it. It was so fun to connect with other money nerds and hear all the cool things that you guys are up to. If I did get the chance to meet you, that's so awesome. And it was fun to just see what you're up to. But I'm not joking, you guys. There were 2,500 people there. And I'm an extrovert, but by the end of that conference, I'm totally drained. So I'm happy to be home. I've got about six days before I leave to Denmark. This is my family trip. And I'm trying to get as much done as possible. But speaking of all of that stuff, one of the things that was a really common theme from FinCon was this idea of intentional spending and being a little bit more of a mindful consumer. And this is something that I was really excited to hear from over and over and over again from people, because this is exactly what we're talking about in today's episode. But before I dive into the amazing guest for today, I have to share a really awesome money win that personally melted my heart. This money win comes from Trisha. Trisha says, you guys, I'm an official furniture flipper. I just sold my first piece, this cute coffee table with foldable legs. I picked up from Goodwill for $20 and sold for $50. Hashtag money win. Trisha, I am so crazy proud of you. I know that a lot of people hear me talk about furniture flipping all the time, but for some reason when you guys do it, it just shows that there's a lot of possibility for making money from that side hustle. So I'm really, really proud of you. And I think it's a killer side hustle. So for anybody that needs to make a little extra money, go to your thrift stores and just look around and see what you can pick up and what you can potentially flip immediately. You don't always have to do work to it, to the pieces. In this case, Trisha did not do any work to it, but still like a $30 profit for a very, very little work, that stuff adds up. So definitely check it out if you're looking for a new side hustle. Also, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I have a really detailed blog post all about furniture flipping on my website. So go to whitneyhanson.com slash how to flip furniture and you can read through every single little step of the way, including how to stay safe when you're selling items online. It's killer and you will love it. But Trisha, again, congrats on your money win. You earned it, my friend. All right, let's dive into today's guest. Kate Flanders is a former binge consumer turned mindful consumer of everything. Through personal stories, she writes about what happens when money, minimalism, and mindfulness cross paths. Her first book is called The Year of Less. It was released in 2018 and became a Wall Street Journal bestseller. She inspires people to consume less and live more. In this episode, Kate and I discuss how she found lifestyle freedom as a result of a shopping ban. Now, I know a shopping ban sounds intimidating, but hear her out on this. It's really impactful and has even encouraged me to be considering a shopping ban. I think it's a really good way to go. We talk about the importance of approaching debt from a healthy mindset and with really realistic 
realistic goals. We talk about how she structured her shopping ban, what some of her rules were and how that actually looked. Separating our spending from our identities. That was my favorite part of this entire conversation is how so much times we just spend to be the person we think we are, if that makes sense. Kate does a really good job of explaining this, so you're, you're definitely going to love that section. And then we kind of wrap up the conversation with tips for becoming more mindful around purchases and analyzing our spending, stuff that every money nerd needs to be doing. Guys, I know you're going to enjoy this episode, and I really am so excited to introduce you to Kate from kateflanders.com. But before we dive into the content, I just want to share a quick word from today's sponsor. Hey, are you looking for an easy way to manage your stock investments, incorporate a goals-based investing approach, and get portfolios designed to earn passive income through dividends? Me too. That's why I was so excited to learn more about Emperor Investments. Emperor Investments is an online platform with tailor-made portfolios of individual stocks. It's easy to use, it helps you build passive income, and it has actual people ready to help you answer all of your questions and understand your investing portfolio. I personally love the Emperor Investments focus on passive income, is a woman-owned business, and takes a modern approach to help you create a portfolio that fits for your specific risk tolerance. So whether you're looking for a retirement strategy or investing for a down payment on a future home, Emperor Investments has you covered. If you're ready to start achieving your financial goals with a passive income approach, head over to emperorinvests.com Whitney to get six months of investing for free. Again, that's emperorinvests.com slash Whitney to get six months of investing for free. You are going to love their strategy and it's so easy to create an account. So make sure you head over there and support our podcast sponsor. Hey guys, welcome back. Today I'm joined by my friend Kate Flanders. Kate, it's so good to hang out with you. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, Of course. (laughs) And from London, can we just talk about what you're up to right now? Yeah, um, it's a well typical I would say London day. It's gray and cloudy and <laughs> um, all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm um, I'm sort of at the start of. Actually, I don't know exactly how many months I'll be gone, but let's say anywhere from like six to eight months of full time travel, sort of. So, um, yeah, I'm just at the start right now, just hanging out. Do you anticipate this being book number two, maybe? No, and I mean, actually, I just. Um, sold my proposal for book number two a couple weeks ago. Oh, congrats. And thank you. Um, so no, I'm like, maybe number three. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have no idea. But no, it's honestly, it like it feels like a, a big thing to sort of leave home and decide to just move around and kind of travel full time for a bit. But there's this other part where it just sort of feels like a really natural extension of what I was already doing. Like I've already for the past many years been traveling quite a bit. Like I'll be home for good chunks of time, but gone for good chunks of time as well. And was just sort of toying with this idea of, yeah, like what would it look like if I went away for longer and would I enjoy it? And that, I mean, I have no idea. I'm like a week into it. So, (laughs) but um, yeah, like what, what would it be like? And I don't know, just at the end of the day, like really realizing it's, it was worth at least trying. Um, cause I had a lot of fears around it too, but figured it was worth at least trying and seeing how the year goes. I love it. Okay. So this is going to be like a weird question, but how did you find your, your living situation? Are you Airbnb or did you rent an apartment? 
or a flat, yeah, I should I'll, say. Yeah, I will mostly do Airbnbs for this trip or like this this year. Um, I have a couple situations like in London where I have friends and I can stay with them or um, oddly enough at this exact moment I'm staying in kind of a little boutique hotel which I will not book hotels because they're way more expensive than Airbnb but um, just by circumstance sort of know the person who runs it and got a discount code and it's it is costing me what an airbnb would have cost me so it's just like well for one week i'm i'll treat myself to oh, heck yeah. a hotel but the rest of it yeah it'll be a lot of airbnbs um and then just in a couple places like in the uk i have friends i can stay with i love this it, it seems like everything that you've been doing has been leading up to lifestyle freedom true lifestyle freedom to be able to do whatever the heck you want and it seems as if that all started with your shopping ban is that kind of where your whole intentionality mindset came from oh a hundred percent I mean because before that I um year one years ago like I used to have a ton of consumer debt and um was maxed out at one point when I was 25 and ended up paying it all off in two years and that sounds like good in theory but sort of the problem with the way I approached my debt repayment was that I was really really hard on myself Mm. and so I sort of just, I don't know, like the stories I used to tell myself were that like I didn't deserve to spend money and I had to put everything towards debt because I had screwed everything up and I needed to just sort of, I don't know, fix the problem I'd made. And and so that obviously wasn't very mindful. It was just really harsh in a lot of ways. And like, I'm glad that I paid off my debt, of course, but I don't think I learned a ton about myself in that time. Um, and then so when I finished paying off my debt I like unfortunately basically went back to spending the majority of my money Mm. and I didn't go back into debt but um I just sort of I think because I'd felt restricted for those two years I just sort of started spending everything again just like if friends asked me to go out to dinner or brunch more often or whatever like I just started saying yes and really wasn't thinking about it um and yeah, I did that for an entire year. So I remained debt free. But like I said, like was just spending everything. And that did not feel good because I knew I could do better financially. Like I had done so much better when I was paying off my debt. Um, again, it was like too aggressive, but I knew I could do better. And then, yeah, I decided to do this so experiment that I called a shopping ban. <laughs> I love the shopping ban. I think we were, we were kind of chatting on Instagram how I started to do a 30 day no spend challenge. Yeah. I kind of loved it. It was it was a ton of fun. Um, but I want to go back to this debt piece because you, you hit on a couple really key things that I think a lot of people experience. And that's that shame piece of, mm-hmm. oh, I suck. I'm terrible. I completely butchered my financial life. So therefore, I should have no fun ever again. So that's kind of the mindset we have. But knowing what you know now, how would you have approached paying off debt differently? Mm, um, well, knowing what I know now, I would say that I would still um, learn how to budget. Like I started out by just tracking my spending for a few months and then kind of figured out how much I was averagely spending on things anyways. Mm. Um, so I would still have done that and figured out kind of what a average budget for me looked like. That was great. But instead of focusing so heavily on like paying off the debt as quickly as possible, I would have calculated like a comfortable debt repayment amount and just made sure I paid that every month. Whereas instead, and I, it's, 
I say this like it's a double-edged sword. Like I know some people really have the mentality that like you should be super aggressive with your goals, but to me, there's like no balance in that. Yeah. And so, and that's just me. That, that's how I operate. But uh, I just think like it would have been really interesting if instead of some months putting like 55% of my income towards debt, what if I had just been able to commit to like 25% every month? And yeah, it might have taken me three months or six months a little bit longer to pay it off, but I would have had money then in my budget to have a little bit of fun or actually save because I didn't save any money when I was paying off my debt. Um, and so I just, I think it would have been interesting if I had just come up with this like realistic number that I could put towards it every month rather than just being as aggressive as possible. I think that's such good advice. I appreciate you sharing that because yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people where I could go all in and be very okay with that. But a lot of people, they don't have that mentality. You're right. And it's just, it causes way too much stress. So I, well, I like that. And I, it's also because I think that it's teaching you like a really good habit that you can then stick to once you're debt free. Yeah. So let's say it was $500 a month that you were putting towards debt. Like as soon as you're debt free, that's $500 that you can immediately, like already you're living a comfortable life without it. Yeah. Um, but you can immediately start putting that towards other savings goals or, you know, even if you just have some kind of emergency or you want to save up just for something fun, like it's, you now just have that. It's always already built into your budget. Mm -hmm. So it just overall, again, keeps up with that like idea of balance or just like not normal. I hate that word, but, um, it just makes it so that that's, a budget you're already used to and you can just go right back to it. Like you can just keep it going. Yeah, such a good point too. And it almost, as you were talking about that, I never thought of it this way, but it's almost as if that really aggressive paying off debt plan is almost another form of the deferred life plan where I'll just worry about this later. I'll be happy when. Mm -hmm. And that's super interesting. I never quite made that connection until you were saying that. Oh, well, because becoming debt-free, of course, felt good in like the moment like I remember what it felt like to make the final payment I do remember that and then I had no idea what I was doing right like there was nothing else I was working towards and so it again was it's almost like that um the feeling you would get when you make like an impulse purchase like it feels good quickly and right away but there's nothing about it that really lasts because there was no real purpose in you buying that thing or (laughs) (laughs) whatever so yeah I'm with you okay so now that you've mentioned impulse purchases was that something that you struggled with prior to the two-year shopping ban yeah I mean I in some ways it's kind of hard to remember now but I think there's two things I had um really bad impulses around buying books um so I used to well, I didn't even question it. Like basically the minute I heard of a book that sounded interesting, I just bought it. Yep. And then I would um, add whatever else I needed to add to get it up so that Amazon or whatever online site I was using, like I'd get up to $25 and get free shipping. And so I just have books arriving on my doorstep all the time. And <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fast reader. Like I would love to say that I am, but it's kind of lucky if I can get through three books a month. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. No. And like a couple of years ago, it was like one or two though. <laughs> so, <laughs> I totally like, understand. <laughs> right. And so it's only because now I just make it more of a priority or I've just kind of built it in a bit better, but yeah, like I never read 
anywhere near the amount of books that I was buying. So impulse purchases, like my biggest ones were truly that. Um, in general, I would say I was someone who browsed. So mm. it wasn't, I don't know. And sometimes I even think about this with the shopping ban. Like it's not even a shopping ban. Like the biggest change I made that year was that I stopped browsing. Like I stopped looking for what else was out there. And mm. uh, yeah, I just, so I think like the more you're browsing, you're just constantly thinking of things you could be spending money on um, and then can make sort of impulse purchases that way. And was this like online and, and in-person browsing or one over the other for you? Probably more online, but certainly when I was younger, I can remember like, like not very often, but occasionally you like have a Saturday where you just kind of walk around downtown or shops with friends or yeah. things like that, but probably more online. Yeah. Okay. So teach us your ways, because I know a lot of people struggle with this, myself included. How did you stop the browsing process? Um, I mean, there's two things right up front that if any, if any like retailers are listening, I always feel bad sort of saying <laughs> this, but like right up front, the two biggest things are unsubscribing from all newsletters that you get from retailers. Mm -hmm. Um, and those come in very quickly. If you make an online purchase, you're typically added to their list. Or if you even, you know, buy in a store, they ask for your email address. Um, but unsubscribing from all of those, because the only thing that you're getting with those is either information about new products or sales that they're having. Um, and so it's sort of just like taking control of your inbox as well. So smart. So unsubscribing from all of those. Um, a big one for me also is not following any retailers on social media. And it's, um, it's easier for me to say now, or like a, I'm more, I'm kind of like interested in this generally now, but it's interesting to look back. I, I feel like for a period of time, whether it was my mid twenties, I'm not quite sure, but I used to follow retailers that I sort of felt, um, like I, I don't know. It's like they form a little piece of your identity or something yes. like those brands that you wear or whatever. And so there's this part of it, not only where it's like, Oh, well following them is just like an extension of me. Uh, this is not true, <laughs> but but also, again, like similar to the newsletters, the only thing you're seeing is new products and sales. Yeah. And so I don't know, like now I've learned like there are well, and realistically now there's only probably a couple of brands that I relate to. But like I do not need to follow them on social media because I don't need to see all these extra things like it's OK that I just, you know, own or use a few of those those things. I don't need to follow them on social and see what everything that they're doing. <laughs> It's such a slippery slope, too. I've fallen down that before where you, you're right. It's like you, you follow them and it sounds cheesy, but it's almost like a little vote for your identity. Like, this is the type of person I am. And it is so dangerous because it, it triggers my brain to want to spend money. And obviously, I'm not alone on this because that's a big problem. Um, but mm -hmm. when you were doing that, so you unsubscribe from all retailers emails, you started to maybe unfollow, clean up your social media. So you're not seeing all the temptations. Um, what were some of the other things that you did in your two year experience? Mm, gosh. Um, I mean, probably at the start setting some pretty clear boundaries for myself around the things I could and couldn't buy. Um, that changed a little bit each year because originally I was only going to do it for one year and then I just went on to do it for a second. Yeah. But like setting some pretty clear rules, like a list of things I could buy was basically just anything you use and use up, right? So of course, like when you run out of certain cosmetics or toiletries, like of course, 
replace them as you need them. That's completely fine. Um, but then I had this very long list of all the things I couldn't buy. And it was a partially because I just could kind of look around my home and either see I had enough, um, or could look around my home, see I had some of those things, especially because I was decluttering at the same time. And I think that the combination of doing those two things together showed me how many things I had purchased or once owned that I never used. Hmm. Um, and so it's, it's so funny because I'm like, I would never tell everyone to just like go out and declutter and get rid of all your things. I also think that there's a, like that helped me in a lot of ways, but I know it can be problematic for some people in other ways as well. So I would never say that, but I do think it's pretty interesting or like an interesting idea instead would be to go around your home and maybe write a list of the things you own the most of and how many of that thing you have. And again, it's not like really interesting information, but if you knew like how many pairs of pants you had or jeans or t-shirts, tank tops, whatever, if you knew that, like just having that information can help uh, prevent a lot of impulse purchases. That is such a good tip. I am looking around my office right now. I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> I have books everywhere too. So I'm like, oh, well, and books were so interesting for me because a, I, I started um, learning how to let go of again, sort of like the identity piece. Like I, I used to think I wanted to be this person who had a massive library and as I slowly started decluttering books a little bit, like donating some to the library or to friends or to like those, have you ever seen those like um, little free libraries oh, around yeah. or ever heard of those? Those are so like, cute. Yeah. So like sometimes I'll just pop them in there. But as I started doing that, really realized like I don't value owning books. Like I value reading books. I value reading them, getting the information out of it. Like it sitting on a shelf, even if I had read all of them, like it was I, for me, I was just like, I had to kind of release that attachment of whatever I thought my ego or my identity needed from that. And just, yeah, because when I started though, I realized like in adding numbers up, I owned 55 books that I had never even read. Oh, dang. And I do not read 55 books in a year. <laughs> so I knew right off the bat, like there's no reason I should need to buy a book this year. That is so incredible. I, I love that. And I love that the mindset that's that's the piece that's really standing out to me with your journey was you were able to realize that you valued reading not books and I think that's really cool so let's talk a little bit about the mindset piece because I'm sure there were some days where you were ready to throw in the towel and say I'm done I'm gonna go <laughs> buy all my books again forget it were there any days like that and if so how did you handle those yeah um there weren't a ton like where I wanted to quit everything. I think one that was interesting was on um, Black Friday, I got an email from a retailer, which was sort of interesting. This was like four or five months, four and a half maybe months into it. Um, I got an email from a retailer, which I was just like, how did that happen? Like I haven't gotten one of these in so long. So they <laughs> oh, must no. have like placed me on some magic list I didn't know about. <laughs> So I got this email and it had this promotion on e-readers and all of a sudden I started telling myself all these stories about why I needed to buy a new e-reader. Um, like first of all, they were cheaper than I'd ever seen them. Like e-readers are not often on sale in Canada. So yeah, just, I remember being like, Oh my God, I've never seen it this low before. Yeah. Um, then the other stories were, you know, you've been doing so good. Um, your e-readers broken which was like semi-true, like it was broken, but it still worked. 
Um, but yeah, like, you know, yours is broken. It's going to fix this annoying problem that you have. And then a big one was that I had been doing so well, I deserved it. And I had the money, which was true. Like I had been saving money every single month during the shopping ban. And I was just kind of curious, you know, how much I would have at the end. But that's still, I don't know. So it was, it was interesting. So what I will say about that is that I didn't um, realize I was telling myself all those stories until all of a sudden I seemed to get a confirmation email in my inbox saying that I had ordered one. And then <laughs> immediately I was, yeah. And then immediately had that moment of, whoa, like how did I so quickly talk myself into that being okay? Um, and then thought back to, yeah, what, what sort of the voices in my head had been saying and it happened so 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 fast um so I canceled the order because I, I truly didn't eat it and then the interesting part of that now is I guess that was like four and a half years ago at this point and I have all I think I've opened my e-reader once since then like I just I really did not need it even though I did have the money and all of that like I really didn't eat it um so yeah but otherwise like not a ton about like giving in altogether um I think I did learn a lot about myself in terms of maybe realizing that I was much more emotional shopper than I had ever realized. Um, and in general, like I'm just a sort of a binge consumer of everything. Like I, I learned so much about that throughout the year of just like, I don't know, or back then didn't know how to only consume what I needed when I needed it. It was like, whenever something was going on, I would sort of just binge consume something. Yep. So in my life, whether that's been food or alcohol or spending money, that's sort of just the way that I operated for so long. Um, so I went through like a breakup. I also found out my parents were getting divorced that year. Oh my gosh. And it, there was a lot that happened during the first year of the shopping ban. Um, but it really, all of it just helped me realize like, how many, like during the breakup, I remember just like all of a sudden wanting all new clothes or wanting something that would just make me feel beautiful or more put together because my life felt super messy. Um, just stuff like that. And like, I just didn't really realize that before. I didn't know that that was typically kind of a coping mechanism for me. That is so incredible. I appreciate you sharing that. I know it's, it's really tough for us to find our triggers and to figure out what is it that pushes us into wanting to shop. And for me, it was something similar too. where whenever I feel insecure, like I'm not good enough or not pretty enough or whatever the, you know, fill in the blank. That's mm -hmm. one of my things too, is always, I, I need to go buy clothes because I can control my outward appearance and mm -hmm. oh man, it's a dangerous one. And so I love, you've, you've tied in a few really great ideas where it's like just making that list of how many pairs of pants do you own? How many sweaters do you own? And going back to that too I think it would also make me, if I had that list and I understood my emotional triggers, I feel like it would make me a lot more intentional with my purchases. Did it do the same for you? Like, were you really, really careful about any any items that you brought into your home? Oh, yes. And sometimes I wonder if it's like to a detriment. <laughs> Only because sometimes it takes me so long to make a decision. Your friends are like, come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I'm like, no, like, it's not the one. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but I did, like, I had a few, um, every, both years of the shopping ban, I had these, like, short lists of kind of four to five things that I knew I wanted to buy if, or, like, wanted to replace if that kind of came up. And, 
like one example was I knew I wanted a new sweater and I'm literally talking just like a zip up hoodie, like nothing fancy here. It took me 10 months to find the sweater. <laughs> now, to be fair, it's because I, I was never browsing for it. Like it's, it's not like I was actively shopping for 10 months, but it was sort of like if I thought about it, like let's say maybe in that time I tried on, I don't know, eight different sweaters or something like that. Um, and just like, I think for the first time, like even though it took so long to get that, it, it was really the first time where I started to care about how things fit. You know, like if they fit properly, would they shrink? How were they made? Um, just a little more about like the quality and, or the company that made it. Like I'd never, ever thought about this stuff before. And I was always someone who would just buy it if it was like good enough, even if it meant it was going to, you know, shrink on the first wash or just, you know, fast fashion stuff. It's going to fall apart in a month or whatever. Like as long as it was good enough, I, though, that's when I would buy things. But it was really like that year was the first time I started taking time to make sure it was the right thing. And I guess I don't really regret that in any way whatsoever. It's just, it is funny how long it can take sometimes. <laughs> 10 months for a sweater, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but that also shows good. you, it's not actually a priority. True, right? good like, point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah, I, I get that. There's there's a dress I've been eyeballing for, this is going to sound like I'm lying, but I'm really not, six years. Okay. <laughs> so I keep seeing it and I, I admire it and I think it's beautiful. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I'm like, if I haven't bought it in six years, do I really want it that bad? Probably totally. Not. <laughs> Although at the same time, I'm like, six years, like if you're still interested in it, have you, <laughs> have you ever tried it on? No, it's it's only online. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Yep. I know. Yeah. That's, that's the way it goes for me sometimes. So I relate. <laughs> so what did you what did you learn about yourself throughout this whole process? I know that that was one of the biggest discoveries was not so much the saving money. That's cool. It wasn't so much about being more intentional with the spending. That's also cool. But you learned a lot about who you are as a person. So what were some of those things that you learned from this experience? Yeah, I mean, like, I think... Um, some I've already said, just learning that I have always been a binge consumer, that was really important, or like a really hard but important lesson to learn. Um, and then how many spending decisions, like not even just purchases, not even just physical things, but how many spending decisions I used to make, like for very wrong reason, and the wrong reason just being I was buying it for this person that I wanted to be or thought I should be. Um, And again, it comes up with this identity stuff, right? Like I used to buy a lot of things or spend money because I wanted to be someone else or just thought I would be better or my life would be better if I was that person. Um, And both in terms of kind of decluttering, but also in having to kind of stop, not make an impulse purchase and really think about something I just, I don't know, it's so, it it was a lesson I learned that year, but I honestly think it's one that keeps going for me. Like I, I'm continually learning about my attachments and what it means for our egos. And I'm also trying to get super comfortable with the word ego because it's one where I think we're so quick to think of like a bad word or whatever. It's just really narcissistic or something. It's like, no, no, no. Like we all have it. It's just like a part of who we are as human beings. Mm. And I'm, I'm super fascinated still in like, 
the the things we buy or the spending decisions we make like yeah trying to make sure it's not just for ego and is actually for who I am um it's huge it's I don't know yeah I think and I honestly I kind of hope it's like a lifelong process like I hope I'm never done learning this stuff um but it was a lot for one year (laughs) you're like that was maybe too much (laughs) yeah (laughs) too much change in one year let's slow this down yeah (laughs) I, I get that I get that I I love this. I think it's it's so interesting. And I think it's amazing. And I appreciate you documenting your journey too with your book, The Year of Less. If anybody wants to go through this path of self discovery, do you have any suggestions for where they get started? Mm, Yeah, I mean, like, um, a first one, I would say, like, if a shopping ban sounds really restrictive, don't do one. Like, I always say that I'm like, maybe it's like bad advice. (laughs) Like, I should be promoting this idea. But I'm like, no, like, if it's unrestrictive, don't do it. The reason that it was not easy, but easier for me to do the shopping ban was because first I had been tracking my spending for years. So I had a very clear picture of where my money was going and I knew the areas I was not happy with it going. So I would always say, start with that. And that's kind of just like personal finance 101, really. Um, but start by tracking your spending. I think that we make a lot of purchases or spending decisions very um just not consciously like we're not intentionally thinking about it we just do it mm-hmm. uh and if you were to write it down by hand every day like at the end of every single day just wh- how much you spent and on what um i think within a week a month six months you're just by writing it down you'd have a pretty clear idea of maybe some things that felt good like you feel fine spending money on those things but then also maybe some areas that you want to spend less or not spend money at all um and then that that thing about kind of rather than decluttering you don't have to go do that but rather than that that thing of kind of listing the things you own the most of and Mm -hmm. seeing how that helps prevent you from making impulse purchases in the future Love it. That is such killer advice for you personally. How did you approach eating out during this process? Mm, um, eating out was still on the table. That was fine. But the one thing I did remove was takeout coffee. And I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, the latte factor. And like, you can't don't you can't have five dollar lattes or whatever. I have lots of them now. So like, I'm not on that bus. But, <laughs> Thank God. Um, yeah, no. But at, at that point, I was working from home for a company and I mean, I, I bought good coffee. There was literally no reason for me to be spending as much as I was on takeout coffee. So I just sort of thought I'd kind of like to break this habit so that in the future getting a takeout coffee isn't habit. It's like, because I actually want it. Um, so yeah, so I, I didn't do takeout coffee that got a little confusing around things. Like if I went for brunch, I remember for a while I was like, Oh, well, I can't get coffee if I go for brunch. And then I was like, like after a few months, I was kind of like, okay, that's so stupid. Like, like nerd alert. <laughs> yeah, like, I really need to kind of ease this up a bit. <laughs> um, but no, the only other thing that I will say is that like throughout that year, I, I think like friendships, um, shifted in mostly positive ways to the point that I started asking friends to do a lot different things. So instead of always going out to eat or something like that, I started inviting friends for a lot more like walks and hikes. And I mean, that's easy for me where I'm based on where I'm from anyways, like being from British Columbia, it's just incredibly beautiful. And there are 
basically paths to anywhere you want to go anytime. Um, But I think in that I realized, like really started to realize how much I enjoyed kind of the presentness that you have in those interactions. Whereas when you do go out to eat, your interaction or like your time together is broken up multiple times. So it's broken up you know, when the waiter comes to give you drinks, to take your order, to bring you your food, to ask if your food is okay, then you need to try and get, like, wave them down and get the bill, then you need to pay the bill, and it was just sort of interesting, like, I do still eat out, especially I'm traveling now, and, um, but I sort of realized that year that it, I didn't value it as much, um, as I did kind of spending time with friends one-on-one, so I think, like, my budget reflected that it just sort of my, my restaurant budget went down a little bit as time went on. So, um, yeah, because it's, it's just not my favorite way to interact with people. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good point too. It's not very quality at all. It it is interruptions after interruptions. And I'm glad to hear that it's not just in the U S that we have to chase our tab down. So that's good to hear. Then it's even worse if like you have bad service or whatever. And like sometimes <laughs> totally. you Sometimes you have lovely service and like the whole experience is so great, but like sometimes it's not and you're just like, uh, or it's even worse. Like at least this happens in Vancouver at a lot of sushi restaurants. They're like incredibly busy and they'll often try and kick you out after like 45 minutes. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> oh yeah. Like they actually have, it's really funny. Um, they'll have the screen up and it will show kind of all the different tables. And then once you've been there, I think for 30 or 45 minutes, your table number starts flashing red. <laughs> no. and they, yes. And then they start coming around more often. <laughs> that is the best thing ever. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> it's like, like alert, an alert on your table makes you feel super yeah. guilty. <laughs> yeah. That's oh so good. I didn't know that. Yeah. That is Actually, hilarious. You can, if you chat with Garrett Philbin at all, you can ask him about that because he came to visit once and it was quite funny. <laughs> That's what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will ask him about it. He's a who anyways, but that's yeah. so funny. Oh, I love it. Kate, I've had such a really great time chatting with you. Are you down for some rapid fire questions before we officially part ways? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's do it. This one's going to be interesting. Okay. So what is one purchase that you recently made that has made your life better? Um, a new backpack. Oh, yeah. What'd you get? What kind? Um, Actually, it was more of like a just a smaller kind of regular day-to-day backpack because mm-hmm. um, I had like a big one or bigger one that I travel with, but I needed something just... The one that I used to take like on day hikes has just been completely trashed over the years. And so I replaced it with a just a plain black backpack from Patagonia. And I will say too, like it's um, a little bit more expensive, but I'm really obsessed with a lot of things that Patagonia is doing right now. Yeah. Um, I think they still have a ways to go in, in some respects, but like they stand by their products for life. So if anything rips, tears, or like you're just unhappy with it in some way, they will fix your product forever. Wow. Uh, and for free. So I just think that that's really interesting. So whereas I probably could have got a backpack for like $40, you know, you end up spending closer to 100 but they'll literally take care of it for the entire lifetime that you have it. That's so cool. Good to it's hear. It's really interesting. That's a good little money tip too. Okay, next question. What is your current morning routine? 
I have super slow mornings. Um, I started that in 2017 and I know a little bit of it is a luxury, just like I don't have kids and traveling also actually helps with it. But, um, typically when I wake up, I will, uh, either read or listen to either a podcast or an audiobook and just like make coffee and kind of chill out for a little bit. Again, some mornings, the slow morning is like 15 minutes long. Like it's not like I'm hanging out for two hours doing nothing, <laughs> but, but just like sort of sets the tone for the day. So rather than constant, like waking up and immediately rushing, it's like, okay, like I'll have a glass of water and make a cup of coffee and just kind of listen to something and think about what I want to do that day. And yeah, sometimes it's 15 minutes, sometimes it's probably like half an hour or so, um, but just not being in a rush to get started. I like it. And you said you started that in like 2017? Yeah, in 2017, I did a year of slow living experiments. So every month I tried to do something a little bit different. And slow mornings was the first one I did. And it stuck more than all of them. So that's so cool. I love that. Okay, next question for you. What is one location you are dying to travel to? Um, mm, I'll say the Bavarian Alps in Germany. Oh, heck yeah. What what about the Alps is drawing you there? Um, I mean, probably, well, I don't know. I mean, like, I've seen so many pictures of them, obviously, from places like Instagram. But I've also oddly, like, connected with a lot of Germans in the past year or so. And, and also, actually, expats who are living in Germany. So, A, I'm excited to kind of go where I know even just a couple of people. Um, but the mountains in general are sort of where I feel most at home. So actually being in London right now, I don't like, I feel very comfortable here also cause I've been here once before, but cities are not like where I feel my best. It is always when I'm closer to nature and there's something about mountains that just being around things that kind of leave you awestruck and they make you, feel small but like in a good way like it's like they make your problems seem smaller and just I don't know I'm so I'm just really excited there's there's so many beautiful parts to it like the mountains there's a ton of lakes in them and just excited to see it oh heck yeah I'm with you I'm excited to stalk your Instagram and follow along (laughs) (laughs) pretend like I'm there (laughs) yeah it looks super cool okay so last question in your opinion what is the secret to financial success Wow, good question. Um, it's, I'm like, I don't know if this is good because it's not about the numbers at all. I think if you are just managing your finances, well, not managing, like if you are going after the goals that matter to you, not that everyone else tells you to do or what you see the majority of people are doing, Um, it's hard, like it's not easy to a figure out what that is when so much advice is very similar or people's goals all seem similar. Like it's hard to be the first one or like to kind of carve your own path in that sense. Mm -hmm. But I do think that if you're doing what's right for you, not other people, it, it makes the financial stuff a little bit easier. There's so much in personal finance and like honestly, in all the ways we live our lives that, uh, 
if you are doing it wrong or you can feel like you're doing it wrong. Um, but if you're doing what's right for you, there's nothing wrong about it. So I think trying to like get into that mindset and just, and sticking with it, even though it's hard sometimes, but just really sticking with that. I love it. That's great advice. And it kind of ties back to your, your debt scenario too, where you wish you would have just maybe slowed down just a bit and had something that was slightly more sustainable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Kate, this was so much fun. For everybody listening in, kateflanders.com, go buy the book, The Year of Less. It is so good. Or rent it if you don't want to collect books like Kate and I. <laughs> yeah, go to the library. It's great. Absolutely. And then where should people go to hang out with you? I know you, you're pretty active on Instagram. Yeah, it's really the only place I hang out now. <laughs> I, I sort of stopped blogging last year and... Um, yeah, I just kind of hang out on Instagram. So that's the place to say hi. Awesome. It'll all be linked in the show notes. Kate, thank you so much for your time. It was really a pleasure catching up. Thank you. So nice to talk. Okay, what'd you think of this episode? I personally loved it. The part that really resonated with me was when Kate was talking about how our spending sometimes reflects who we think we are, our identities. And that was the piece that I thought was so interesting was when she started to go through the shopping ban and going through this big change, it changed who she was as an individual and had gave her more control over her life and instead gave more intentionality behind it and was allowing her to live a fuller, more enriched life. I think that's what we're all striving for. So that's definitely something that resonated with me. Now I'd love to hear from you. What stood out to you about this episode? Screenshot this, tag me on Instagram and let me know that you are listening in and bonus points if you can tell me what specifically really stood out to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate your support. I love you. I hope you're having a great week and I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.